Welcome to the Overtime Hockey Podcast. It's a special spring edition, and when we're in spring, it means we have plenty of activities going on with Minnesota hockey. We have the HP programs that were in full swing last weekend, and now we get into the NIT and some other things from the 54 and all the others that are happening, and we're going to bring on the architect of all of it, Mike McMillan, who joins us here today. Mike, uh, which, which hat would I uh, in- introduce you at with this one? See today, Pete. I know you're being funny, but uh, today would be the Minnesota Hockey High Performance Director hat. Okay, so the reason I say that for those of you who may or may not know, Mike is very influential in all areas of hockey as the uh, current USA Hockey Coach in Chief. He's the Executive Director of the Minnesota Hockey Coaches Association, which is the high school boys hockey group, and he's been doing that for years and obviously has been a big part of this as well with the HP program, and and now we have what's going to be a really fun NIT weekend. So uh, what we want to do is uh, educate the masses on exactly what the HP program is and and how it got going and where it sits today. So, Mike, I know you're a busy guy and uh, appreciate your jumping on the program here today. Thanks, Pete. Thanks for having me. It's an exciting time, as you know, and um, I mean, there's a lot to this. It's uh, it, it might be more than 15 minute discussion, but we'll we'll do my best. I'll do my best. Hey, if if, um, if we get it all out in 15, and the next 15 that goes to 30 is great. I'm more than good with it, so we're good. Awesome, awesome. Well, you know, it's it's uh, I, I talk about HP with a lot of pride because it's um, you know it encompasses about 4,000 hockey players a year that, that start at the tryout phase and get all the way to uh, hopefully a national uh, national camp bid uh, for some of our age groups. But it's much more than that. It's uh, it's become an opportunity for us to showcase our best talent in the state of Minnesota in the spring. And, and number two, to get as many, many athletes the opportunity as possible, uh, where other parts of the country aren't able to do that. And you know, we have a unique relationship uh, in Minnesota between high school and youth hockey, and, uh, you know, we are one hockey family. So, you know, we're able to use our sections and our uh, districts to uh, facilitate uh, a pretty big operation. A little, if you want me to jump into a little bit of history, I certainly can. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I was going to ask you about uh, how this got started and, and where, where, where did it get birthed, and, and was, there, was, there, was it a cause-effect thing, or was it just a, hey, here's something we can do to improve the game? Well, I mean, there there's a lot of facets to how it got started, but I, the, the simplest story is 94, 95-ish, maybe 93-ish. Um, back then, USA Hockey, they've always done national camps and they've always looked at elevating their, you know, their high-performance players. But back at that time frame, uh, kids were selected and based on a, um, a group of scouts, basically, and kind of behind the scenes that would pick 30 kids to go to Lake Placid or go to St. Cloud or go to Colorado Springs for the national camps. And that was really for uh, 16 to 17 year old players. Well, we started having some discussions, me and a couple of my friends, uh, Ken Pauly being one of them, Pat Westrom, Larry Hendrickson's, you know, Ted Brill, who was the hockey apps guy for Minnesota at the time, Wally O'Dell, who was in charge of helping select the players that, you know, we're, we're missing out on looking at a lot of kids. Can we take a look at a tryout format to get to the 30? Just hypothetically, I think the number was 30 at the time. I, uh, that's a long time ago. And um, so we started crafting a way to evaluate players in the state of Minnesota at the 15, 16, 17 le- levels. Simultaneous to that, USA Hockey created a 15 festival that replaced the national camp for 15. So 
the 15, we actually picked a team back then. So it all kind of came together within that from 93, probably to 96 ish time frame. Uh, and then the girls were at that point doing something completely different on their own. So as, as time went on, you know, I think the first name was advanced and then it was selects and then now it's high performance. Um, that's how it got started. Just talking about how can we get more players involved? And then the other piece to this, which most people don't know and don't remember because it's been so long is back then, New York, um, Minnesota, Massachusetts, and Michigan were really the big four of, uh, churning out players. And we were probably all equal. If you look at the matrix of how many kids play division one, I, I think this year for us is two fifteen. I don't think anybody's close. Right. And, yeah. But back then we were close. I mean, everybody's numbers were, were close. And, and we, we behind the scenes, not only were talking about how to do HP today, advanced then, but we were talking about how do we make our players better and how do we get more players involved to, to bring up the, the level so we can stay ahead and surpass those other areas of the country. And um, so we looked at the spring. So we basically took out a calendar. How can we enhance our product? And we looked at this spring as a gap because there was after the state tournament, our players in Minnesota didn't play as long as other players. So we wanted to create an environment for them that they could continue to practice, develop, and um, you know add some more games to their game count. We're not even talking about the fall back then because we already had fall programs back then, but they're a little bit haphazard. <clears throat> so that's that was what we focused on. And then we created a development model around it where the kids could practice with their sections or districts and then proceed on to what you see now as our festival and then the 54s for the 16s and 17s. And then, you know, for our 15s, it's actually a, a festival and then they go to St. Cloud in the summer, which, you know, even back in the day, we used to have a ban on festivals. So we just kind of replaced that and upgraded it and changed it. And, you know, now we have a whole sundry of other programs that, uh, that, we're, that we're operating. What's been over the years from the beginning to today, the biggest, I don't know if the word would be upgrade or improvement uh, you've seen as far as delivery of the program and, and what the players are uh, benefiting from? Well, you know, a couple of things came into play during that period of time. You know, our relationship with CCM, you know, it started with Steve Ricks and Joe McCartan, probably more Steve at the time. And Steve went on to be the national uh sales manager for CCM and, and then Joe continued, you know, to uh, represent our state. Um, and, you know, that relationship was really important because we, we felt we needed to upgrade the product and they allowed us and helped us to do that. So Jersey socks, et cetera, et cetera. Um, we created some other marketing partners, you know, so we could do video and other things, but really the key to the success was the inclusion of more people. So, you know, we had more coaches involved. We got more, players involved that were wearing the USA Hockey Minnesota flag. Um, those enhancements really helped elevate, uh, elevate all of our programs. Um, and then, you know, you know, the advent of marketing and promotion, um, you know, you know, scouts don't miss the HP stuff. And the reason is because we are the number one producer at that level of, you know, for college and junior players. So, uh, we needed to provide a good product for them to see as well and, and then a good environment to see it. So, you know, our rink relationships have been vital um, as well. So, we're you know, we're, we're providing a first-class opportunity for the kids to not only participate, develop, be seen, and then um, hopefully have a good experience. And I think that's 
Yeah, that's what we hear from our surveys, at least. So when we went back to the Ted Brill grade eight, if I remember correctly, that used to happen the weekend after the state tournament. And it was almost uh, in the early days, early days, let's say early 2000s. It was almost reserved for those that had not either been tendered in a junior situation or uh, committed somewhere to play uh, college hockey, kind of a last look situation. And over the years, it appears as though it's become uh, more than that. And and the the timeline now has moved back to, you know, a month later or, or last weekend, if you will. Can you kind of talk about the evolution of the Brill and how that plays into the NIT? Well, the Brill actually goes back to the Merman Gold. So, Pete, I oh yeah, I don't know if you're old. I don't know if you're old enough to. Remember I am that, you're much, much younger than me, right? Um, um, but um, it, it actually, it started out as uh, the Maroon and Gold. So they would yeah. uh, two teams would be selected again. That you know they would be selected, and those two teams would try out. It was their best players at the time in high school hockey. They would play, and then they, they would pick one team to go play in Massachusetts. So, again, that competition with Massachusetts and the other districts, I think, was vital. And, and it's still important. We have great relationships with the rest of the country, but we also like to compete, as do they. So that's how it started. And then it transformed, like the rest of the, the high-performance programs, into uh, the grade 8 became um, a section, uh, section-driven uh, event. And you're right, it was right after the state tournament. And um, at the time, it was a very highly scouted event. Uh, it was really before the the influx of junior hockey and kids leaving for postseason and all that stuff. Um, but it was a great event, you know, highly scouted at the time, uh, et cetera, et cetera. But as everything changes, so we needed to take a look at two things. We needed to look, take a look at were the best players showing up. Number two, um, was the timing right for scouts? And the decision that was made was, oh, there was a third piece, and that was we were missing kids. So 17s and 16s are all by birth here. So we have some kids in the state of Minnesota that were being missed that were still playing high school hockey. So if you were a junior and you still had high school eligibility left, but you were aged out of the 17 program, we didn't have anything. So oh, we, created yeah. an 18, we created an 18 program for those kids. And we ran, um, and there's not that big of a number. So what we decided to do after a little bit of experimentation for a year or two, what we decided to do was create, keep the grade eight, but create four teams of 18s and four teams of seniors. And we wanted to bring up the level of competition again, because we want to showcase the best, right? And there's still a lot of kids, to your point. <clears throat> the majority of the kids have not tendered or signed or <clears throat> signed a college scholarship or anything like that. So, you know, it's, it very well has a purpose and a very important purpose. And then we created, uh, um, we moved the dates then to match our festival date last weekend. And then we created the NIT because the NIT is uh, replacing for us the old Chicago showcase. Um, so there's just a lot of things. So we created this, this environment of eight teams now that come this weekend uh, that represent, that have federation programs. Um, and it's been it's been really very successful. So we have the grade eight during the 16-17 event, and then we have the NIT during the 16-17 um, um, Final 54. So the scouts then, again, they can it's a one-stop shop, right? Yeah. 15, 16, 17s, 18s, and then they get to watch Michigan, Massachusetts, not Mass anymore, Colorado, uh, Wisconsin, North Dakota bring teams. So, um, you know, for the scout, which – you know, that's important. You know, players want to be seen 
parents want to make sure they be get that opportunity. So we try to we try to capture all that over a two weekend period of time. So then during the grade eight, are your staff or is your staff um, evaluating players? As you, as you whittle down to these uh, teams that are now uh, at the NIT. And by the way, I was looking at the rosters. They're impressive. There's some really good players that will be yeah. participating. So how do you go about saying, okay, uh, is it a group? Do you sign people? How, how do you go about uh, selection there? Yeah. Can I go back to one thing, though, so I want to Absolutely. make sure everybody knows this. Everything that we do, almost everything that we do, and I so when I don't when I speak about this, I'm also speaking boys and girls. Because everything that we do, other than maybe the well, the NIT, everything but the NIT and the 18s and the seniors, everything below that, 14s all the way through, because we've added a 14 program, everything that we do as boys and girls is mirrored. So um, that's just important for those listening to know that this is not just a boys program. It's a hockey program for the state of Minnesota player development. So, um, can, I ask so you back, quick, can I ask you a quick question in there yeah. on the mirror? So where I get a little confused, there's a girls NIT that occurs in the fall. Is that this or is that something different? That's something different. Okay. Uh, That's where I get. So just to clarify, um, this is going on right now uh, at at venues. Okay. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Makes sense. So I I just didn't want to peep because when I speak, I just speak generally about all of our programs and they are inclusive boys and girls. So anyways, um, so anyways, back to the um, the question of evaluations. Um, evaluations are multi-phase, basic. So you look at a number of different things when you're selecting players for anything. And but specifically to your question regarding the 18s and seniors, and I think it, it falls in line with the 16s, 17s, and 15s and 14s, to be honest with you. You know, each team has a coaching staff, and those people on the coaching staff, you know, give their input to an evaluation team. Uh, that's coordinated by our each individual program. We have a lead evaluation person at all the programs, and then they have a team. You know, they, a goaltender evaluator. They have, um, I think it's it depend. Every program is a little bit different based on the number of teams, but I think anywhere from eight to ten evaluators that are watching um, the whole event um, up top, and then they're evaluating the players and getting input from their coaches. Um, and that's really simply how it works. Um, and I think that's really, really important. But even for the 14s, 15s, 16s, and 17s, even before that, you know, we include, you know, coaches from their district or sections as well to help with that evaluation process. So there's a lot of people involved. And I think that's the best checks and balance, right? It's not, nothing's perfect. There's no selection per- process that's perfect by any stretch of the imagination. And as we all know that it's involved in the sport, Different coaches have different opinions of kids, right? Absolutely. Um, um, you know, if, if you know, if our parents, Pete, had an opinion that that mattered, that we'd probably both be in the NHL, but that didn't happen. <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. So, and I don't need to be too funny about it, but it's it, we take it extremely seriously. Uh, very dedicated people at every level, and they work really, really hard, and um, I think they do a really good job. Um, but it's, it is a multi-faceted uh, um, way that we evaluate the kids. Well, I think it's important to note that it's a well-thought-out process, that it, it's, yeah. it, it's something that you as a group have perfected over the years. And the one thing that stands out to me with all of this is this really has become a destination for hockey players to want to be a part of. 
And the more that you've gotten involved and the more that you've gotten engaged from even a player to coach perspective, obviously the more awareness there is to it and to what it all is from 14 on up. And I think that's what's really benefited all of it is, is it's gone from being something that happens in the spring to something that you want to be a part of in the spring. And I think that's yeah. what, what is really noticeable to all. Yeah, I think well, that's, that was our hope. I mean, that was that, I mean, you, you kind of hit the nail on the head. That's kind of was our goal uh, way back in the early 90s. And, um, you know, the other thing is we have to try to keep making it better. And we've added some pieces yeah. to it that I think that I think are better. I mean, you know, for years we never talked about 14s. Well, we're doing 14s and we're, you know, our program staff is knocking that out of the park. And, you know, we're doing, we added a goalie component as a pilot last year. We're doing a goalie component. Each one of our events now is part of not only evaluation, but also their goaltender and seeing different coaches. So, I mean, we're doing some pretty cool stuff. And, uh, you know, we just want to continue to make things better. And, you know, luckily we have the support of, you know, USA Hockey and Minnesota Hockey and boys and girls. So it's been it's been a great partnership for a lot of people. From 95, let's say, on from when this or mid 90s on when this all began uh to today what have you noticed it's a two-part question or two-answer question what have you noticed the most in the difference of the boys player and the girls player uh as far as today the player is this and they've improved this way what are the biggest standout things that you've noticed through all of this well clearly we're better um that would be a simple answer. Yeah. Um, I, I think that um, the probably the biggest thing that I've noticed is we've our depth our depth has really has continued to improve, especially on the girls' side. It's a very noticeable difference. And so tryouts are, are hard on the boys' side. They weren't as hard back in the day on the girls' side, and that's become. They're, they become very difficult, and there's there's a lot of there's a lot of great players that you know kind of fall into that area. But I think the thing that we miss, that we don't talk about, we kind of get a little bit people kind of talk about it in Minnesota a little bit. I think our high end players um, are getting better because our depth is getting better. So our high end players are really 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 good, and um, I guess that's a testament to the development that happens at the youth level and the high school level to get them to be seen at HP, but, you know, our high-end kids are, are, you know, I think some of the best in the, not, you can't even say country anymore, the best in the world. So we hit that's, the, that's been fun to watch. You hit the nail on the head there, and I, I think if you just look at the body of work of what a lot of these players have done, whether it be at uh, the collegiate or professional levels, they've gone from being role players to 20, 30, 40 goal scorers, big point getters. Um, they've gone from just being a, a a late round pick in the first round to impact players. And I think what we'd always heard is, well, yeah, Minnesota turns out defensemen, but you know, from the forwards and an offensive perspective, maybe not so much, but that's completely changed right now. And I think it's kind of a destination for that to your point. Yeah. And there's no question. And, um, but you know, to do that, you have to be, you have to have competition. You have to have depth because if you don't have that, you, do, you still just have a few high end players. So I think, you know, and that just takes time. I mean, that doesn't happen overnight. Everybody expects just a wave of wand and it's going to happen, but I'd say it, it takes some time. And, you know, I, you know, me, I'm going to give credit to where it's due and that's our coaches and, and the job that they do, not only educating themselves, but educating their players. And, um, 
you know, they really, really, really work hard on player development. And, you know, our kids, our kids live in a, a pretty cool spot to, uh, to get better, be seen and, and be able to be the best. So. I know of one NHL team um, that uh, had made a statement or was talking about this with me, and it was that um, th- they're very attracted to still the community-based model in Minnesota because of the very words you just said about the depth and the ability to create it. He said what's in- interesting is if you go to Toronto, they could do the same thing if they wanted to, and he just doesn't feel like they're getting the depth in the area like they do in Minnesota. He said, you know, when you look at it, the Minnesota players are outpacing everybody in terms of that, and it's. Uh, I think it's it's time that that be noted and um, observed. And I, I think I think those that are close to it, like yourself, know. Uh, but it's it's definitely legit and it's real and it's uh, been all a part of these programs and, and how they've worked. So tip of the cap to you and your team for for having the vision and putting this together and making it happen. And other than that, too, that uh, another quick question, Mike, from the NIT yeah. perspective. Obviously, you have teams from Colorado, Team Wisconsin, North Dakota. How did you pick those out of state teams? Is there uh, a rotation or what happens there? Well, we picked we picked them. Uh, well, actually, it's it's pretty simple. I mean, the story is pretty simple. There was a thing called the Chicago Showcase. It got watered down. It was federation teams. It was club teams. It was it just got to be big. Mm-hmm. And we made we made the decision that um, well, two of us made the decision that we wanted to exit the Chicago Showcase and we wanted to create uh, the best teams because that's how the Chicago Showcase started. So we went after Massachusetts, uh, Michigan, um, Wisconsin, North Dakota, who are who are very very close partners with us. They're like our you know brother sister to be honest with you. We we try to take care of each other, and and they're all federation teams. So we wanted to create the mousetrap of federation teams and showcase those players that don't play on a AAA slash travel uh, or a club schedule. So. That's that's what we did. It was very simple. We started with our partner in Wisconsin, called them up, said, hey, we, we're going to pull from Chicago. Do you want to come with us? They said yes. Michigan said yes. North Dakota said yes. Mass said yes. But Mass, as you know, has changed quite a bit. Mass doesn't have the federation juice that they used to, and it was harder for those kids to leave their spring sports to their federation rules. So, that, so Colorado's really, really upgraded their hockey, upgraded their federation. And then when Mass left, we brought in Colorado. And if you notice the NIT, those other states did what we did with the 18s. So there's 18 mm. teams and there's senior teams. Yep. So if you look at the schedule, so what all of us have found out is we all have that group of players, that 18-year-old and under that still plays high school hockey, that, that need, they need that showcase and they need that extra games. You know, I think all of us are up to 26 games, plus then you add the – NIT and the tryouts and the showcase, I mean, you get another seven, eight games, you know, we're, we're playing more games than college hockey is now with those top kids. So um, Michigan, Wisconsin, North Dakota found the same thing attractive. They joined us. And then uh, Colorado's really, really working hard on the Federation side too. And, and there they have a really good congruent relationship with their youth hockey in Colorado. So, you know, we think we think they're on the cusp of uh, doing some pretty cool stuff as well. You know, it's interesting when you look at the, the the country as a whole the 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 big group of minnesota michigan mass um has been joined right by others and you know there's pockets too where now you're seeing kids from la kids from tampa 
getting drafted. I mean, I know those are one-offs in some instances or two or three guys, but there's there's got to be some hot spots around the country where you can look at the map now and say, again, like in the mid-90s, we would never have imagined. Are there some areas that have made you say, you know, wow, uh, look at the growth here? Oh, for sure. I mean, you look at the Southeast District. I mean, yeah. um, people talk about, you know, you just brought up L.A. and California, and, you know, I've talked about Colorado, but, you know, you you can't be dismissive of the Southeast because they're starting no. to kick out a lot of players, too, from D.C. down to Florida, and it's, it's for me personally, it's fun to watch. I, I, as you know, Pete, we've known each other a long time. I love that. I love that our country is getting better, and and being a 218er myself, I think all that does is just gets us fired up to make ourselves better. So I, I mean, I think it's awesome that our country is getting better. It really does make the hockey better for all of us. And you know, you know, Herb Brooks used to champion that too. I mean, I just think we have to continue to make everybody better. And it's like the depth in our state. If there's more depth, the top people get better. We just got done talking about that, right? So it's no yeah. different nationally. But well, yeah, I mean, there's. There's clearly hots, but I think that Southeast is one to watch for sure. Uh, Southeast District, which um, is exciting. I think you, you talked about, you know, the Pacific, uh, not only Northwest, but uh, the L.A. area, California. Uh, top to bottom, California is getting better, and they're big. And, you know, the NHL teams have really, really stepped up around the country to elevate youth hockey and, um, you know, their sport. So that's, that's really fun to watch. Well, you know, in each area you have to have a champion that is going to lead. And when you have these NHL teams in those markets, uh, really heavy in the southeast and really around the country that we're talking about, it seems as though if you look at St. Louis when they had their run, there was uh, a former NHL player that was really leading the charge. And uh, when they kind of get the the programs going, uh, it helps when you get guys who own USHL teams that are part of uh, programs in cities. That doesn't hurt either when they get engaged with that. It's about the leadership uh, down to the local level, I think, which is super important. And and you're really, as players, you're only as good as the opportunity provided if you have great coaching. And, uh, you know, I think that's really the thing, and that's probably something you've had to deal with a lot with your role with USA Hockey is finding coaches and cultivating that. Well, you know, that is my role, right? Yeah. The coach, is better. the coach education program is continuing to evolve and get better. And, you know, we're in another transition phase right now the last two years. And I think, uh, you know, coaches that go through the new program um, are going to see – we're going to see better results from them. And then ultimately the coaches do player development in our country. Let's be honest. That's where player development happens is with the coaches. So – um, they have to orchestrate that in their clubs or their associations. So yeah, we're working really hard to make that piece better. And again, it's just one more one more thing to make our, make our players better. Well, lots on display this weekend at rinks around the area, and we're looking forward to uh, bringing all that. You can get it on the mnhockey.tv if you're interested in looking. If you're a scout and you're listening in and you can't make the trip, obviously that'll be there for your uh, viewing pleasure as well. And, Mike, you've put a lot of hard work and time and effort into this. A lot of what you do goes uh, unnoticed and uh, kind of behind the scenes, and that's the guy that you are, and then uh, you always lift up those that are around you. So, You've surrounded yourself with some terrific people. You've run a great program, and it's been super cool to watch it grow. And uh, we've been uh, all, as uh, hockey observers, excited to see it get better and stronger, not only here in Minnesota but in the U.S. So uh, thanks for all that you do, and uh, elevating the game has been so awesome to watch. Hey, Pete, thank you, and thanks for all your support. And like you said, we just have some great people, and 
just makes it so fun. So thanks. See you this weekend, Mike. See you, see you this weekend. That's going to do it for this edition of the Overtime Hockey Podcast. For Mike McMillan, I'm Pete Wagner. So long, everybody.